Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world for you, your partners and your customers. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and in the series I'll be chatting with those inspiring people who are making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. We'll find out how they're using circular principles to create value, increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. In episode one, I gave a quick introduction to explain what the circular economy is and why it's important. We started to look at how it creates better products and services and at the same time helps make a better world. We talked about the aims of the circular economy and then I broke it down into my five circular economy components, helping you think about circular opportunities for each part of your business. We looked at the benefits for business, using those five components with some examples to spark your own ideas. Maybe you're already trying to reduce your environmental impact and you want to go further, to find ways of being more sustainable and profitable. The circular economy can help you do that and strengthen your business in lots of ways. In this episode, we'll dig a bit deeper into the way we do business now, our linear economy, and why that's creating problems for business, society and for our living planet. We'll look at the risks that emerge from those global issues and how they might affect you. Circular approaches can avoid or mitigate many of these risks, and in future episodes, we'll be interviewing people who are using the circular economy to rethink the way we make products and design services. I hope their stories will inspire you to use circular approaches to strengthen your own business. Let's look quickly at some of the big picture trends, many of which are keeping global business leaders awake at night and that we're only recently starting to understand better. We've described our current ways of doing business as a linear economy but we might better describe it as a waste economy. We create waste and emissions at every stage, polluting our air, atmosphere, soil and water. The linear economy relies on using finite resources, metals, minerals and fossil fuels. It also relies on land and water, and we often forget they're finite as well. When we dump all that waste and pollution, We're destroying the living systems that we depend on, and maybe even harming people. When we discard the product, we waste all those resources. And we waste all the energy and labour we invested in the product at every stage. In episode one, we covered some headline numbers, and I'll quickly remind us of those again now. We extract around 90 billion tonnes of natural resources every year to make what we consume. 
That's more than 12 tonnes for every person on the planet. Based on current trends, that number's likely to double by 2050. We recycle very little. Circle Economy produced a circularity gap report which says we recover less than 10% of our resources to make them into new products. We now know we're causing dangerous climate change by burning fossil fuels, using fertilisers and clearing forests, all of which create greenhouse gas emissions. After we've finished with the products and packaging, we discard them. Often this means we send it to landfill, incineration, or we export it overseas. Some countries are realising they can't economically process all the waste they import, and in 2018, China banned plastic waste imports, and Malaysia took steps to do the same. We're allowing value to leak out of our system and losing access to the resources we may have already paid to import. We looked at some of the waste statistics for key sectors. For food, a third of food is waste be wasted between farm and fork worldwide. Single-use plastic is a major issue, and only around 14% of plastic packaging is even collected for recycling. Electrical and electronic items are also problematic. We create over 40 million tonnes of electronic waste worldwide every year. You might have heard the term externalities. These are problems that businesses create but don't pay for. There are harmful externalities from farming, extraction and manufacture. Examples include toxic waste, pollution of air, atmosphere, water and soil. And these are destroying the living systems that we depend on, overloading the earth systems and nature's services. We then make fertilisers, pesticides and other chemical inputs to replace these degraded natural systems. Or we suffer the consequences through disease, healthcare costs and productivity leakages. Let's think about us, humanity. Since the first industrial revolution, starting in Britain in the 18th century, we've got better at extracting materials, making stuff and moving it around. In the 1950s, the agricultural or green revolution began. Nitrogen fertilisers and synthetic chemicals transformed the way we farmed, increasing the output per hectare, but increasing the cost of inputs and the use of machinery, petrochemicals and fossil fuels. We got better at healthcare and sanitation too, and our population started to grow exponentially. World population has more than doubled from around 3.2 billion when I was born in 1963, and is now around 7.7 .7 billion. The United Nations predicts we'll reach nearly 10 billion by 2050, so the human population will more than treble in less than a century. We are doing better at reducing poverty, helping people move beyond subsistence lifestyles, where you can only afford basic food, clothing and shelter. Millions of people are starting to earn enough money to spend on better food, housing and many of the things we take for granted in the Western world. However, 
as I mentioned in episode one, there are still millions of people around the world who struggle every day to afford their basic needs. They don't have enough to eat and don't have safe water and sanitation. So we've got a lot more to do to provide enough for every one of us. We're getting better at developing, extracting and processing materials into amazing products. Science and technology inventions help us be more efficient too, so we can make more stuff more cheaply. That's brilliant, but it puts even more pressure on land, water, finite resources and living systems. We've changed from being a small population on a massive planet with a negligible impact on land, water and nature to a massive population on what feels like a shrinking planet. A report by the Global Footprint Network says that if the whole world consumed food, fibres, land, timber and fuel at the same rate as those of us in the European Union, we'd need the equivalent of 2.8 planets. Meanwhile, our waste, pollution and destruction of living systems means we're killing the animals, insects and plants that we depend on for vital services. We're causing a massive extinction with one million different species now at risk. And just to depress you even more, we're now waking up to the climate crisis. We know we need to rapidly shift away from fossil fuels and change the way we live and work, so we use much less energy and lock carbon into our forests and land instead of releasing it. What do these issues mean for your business? I know many business owners struggle to find time to think about external issues. And, let's face it, lots of the news on geopolitics, climate, plastics and pollution and damage to nature can be depressing. So, it's easy to feel disconnected from these big picture trends and feel that your small business won't be affected, at least not in the short term. We believe the circular economy is the best tool we have to keep your business fit for the future, making sure it's resilient and can absorb or ideally avoid external shocks. It can help you control costs, keep your customers for life and continuously develop your products and services to stay ahead of the competition. In one of my previous jobs, I looked after risk management for major projects. As I'm pretty cautious by nature, I found that quite easy, looking at the future from inside and outside the organisation and working out what might disrupt our plans. Thinking about risks and deciding if and how badly they might affect your business can help you decide what to change or what to keep an eye on. Here are a few risks to consider for your business. These questions might spark ideas for circular approaches that will strengthen your business and help engage your customers, employees and suppliers. We'll use my five circular economy components as a structure. Firstly, product design. 
Marketing aims to create dissatisfaction with what we have now, encouraging us to buy more stuff or replace what we have with something better. However, designing products with planned obsolescence can backfire, as Apple found when it was caught out applying software changes to old model iPhones after introducing a new model. These updates actually slowed down the phone's performance, presumably as a way of persuading people to buy the latest model instead. Apple was fined 10 million euros by the Italian regulators in 2018 and seems to be losing new customers. Apple has stopped telling investors how many phones it sold in each quarter and there are signs that Apple's investing in subscription services. But how many customers and potential customers did it lose? How much more does Apple have to spend on marketing to replace those customers? Maybe you're complying with legislation that forces you to provide spare parts for several years after the product's no longer for sale. But are you making it easy for people to buy those spare parts and repair the product? Or are you including small parts in a more complex and costly sub-assembly, like the washing machine drum assembly I was offered, costing around £250, when all I needed was a new bearing? valued at around £5. If so, you run the risk of destroying your future relationship with that customer. And like me, they'll probably tell that story to lots more people, deterring others from buying your products. If you need to start offering repairs and refurbishment to keep up with your competition, will that be easy for you to do? Have you designed modular components that are easy to disassemble? What if you needed to recover your own materials, perhaps from collected waste? Can you access the materials? Or are they all bonded together and too expensive to separate and reclaim? The second component is safe, sustainable materials. How secure are your sources of key raw materials? Is demand growing? Might you be competing for access with lots of other companies? Or could your suppliers and their costs be at risk from geopolitical pressure and speculation? Right now, in May 2019, China's considering restricting the export of minerals in response to Donald Trump's trade tar tariffs. The European Union has a list of 27 critical raw materials. The European Union classes them as critical because of risks of supply shortage and their high impact on the economy. Some of the materials have production sources in the European Union, but China is the most influential country, especially for rare earth elements, magnesium, tungsten and more. Supply of the platinum group metals is concentrated in Russia and South Africa. Many of these materials are important for new technology and renewable energy, whilst others have more long-standing uses, such as natural rubber, phosphorus and phosphate. What hidden resources do you depend on? 
Looking through your specifications might not highlight all the upstream materials that are critical to your business and supply chain, but they're not easily visible. You might be dependent on water, forests or agricultural land. Water and land are under massive pressure. Around 40% of the world's agricultural land is already seriously degraded. Agriculture uses two-thirds of freshwater withdrawals and by 2050 the United Nations tells us that over half the world's people will live in areas where freshwater supply is under pressure. Maybe your products are using up the local groundwater, depriving communities of water to grow their food. In 2017, The Guardian reported that more than a million traders in India were boycotting fizzy drinks, including Coca-Cola and Pepsi, after claims that foreign firms were exploiting the country's water resources. What about other reputation risks? From using plastic that's difficult to recycle, or using crops causing deforestation, such as palm oil, soy, cocoa or rubber? Are you worried about whether your suppliers could be poisoning the land, water and living systems around their farms and factories? In the UK, companies have come under pressure from consumers who are using social media to campaign for recyclable packaging, to demand palm oil-free products and so on. The third component is process design. Have you already implemented zero-waste policies at your factories and at your suppliers? If not, what resources are you wasting? And even worse, what local land, water and living systems might you be destroying? Could you be recovering heat, steam, even carbon dioxide from production? What could you reuse in your own processes? What new byproducts and co-products might you develop instead? British Sugar became the UK's biggest grower of hothouse tomatoes, using waste heat and carbon dioxide from the sugar refining process. The fourth component is recovery flows. If you aren't recovering your own products or materials, are you losing access to vital resources? You might be paying a premium to buy virgin materials or even paying for the logistics and tariffs for recycled content that's been processed overseas. That's one of the reasons the EU is keen on the circular economy as a way of securing access to vital materials. Is there a risk of legislation, either forcing you to recycle or imposing a tax to pay for recycling? In the UK, it's now recognised that the packaging waste levy on producers only covers around 10% of the cost of local government's recycling systems. If you did have to recycle or pay, would this change your view of which materials you should use? The fifth component, the final one, is business models. If your business model relies on selling more products to more people, is that a sustainable strategy?
How much are you having to spend on marketing to find these new customers and convince them to buy your product? Marketing surveys, including one from Bain & Company, tell us that it costs six to seven times more to acquire a new customer than to keep your existing customer. What if your competitors offered paper use or repairs and upgrades? Would that undermine your business? How could you include new services, address new markets and maybe smooth your cash flow? How can we summarise this? I like the way that Ken Webster of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation summed it up in episode four of Katie Whalen's Getting in the Loop podcast. Ken suggests two rules for business. Rule number one, don't kill your customer. In other words, use safe materials, which also means you don't harm nature or the communities that live around your supply chain. And rule number two, don't kill their custom. Find ways to make sure your customer loves what you do and keeps coming back to you. The service model helps this happen, providing maintenance and repair services, offering upgrades, taking products back at the end of use, renting and so on. I hope that's helped you think about the bigger picture with a few examples of how global megatrends and risks can affect your business, no matter how small. We've seen recently how fast things can change. Single-use plastics are becoming socially unacceptable and people are looking to buy from brands that are doing more good, not just a bit less bad. From episode three, I'll be talking to people in small businesses and startups who are proving that circular approaches can create a thriving business. I hope they'll inspire you to look at ways to make your own business more circular and fit for the future. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, then why not subscribe to the podcast and listen to my discussions with those people making the circular economy happen. Find us at www.circulareconomypodcast.com We want to help people discover, use and benefit from the circular economy. You can find more information and diagrams on the website. Look for What is a Circular Economy? in the resources section. My book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, takes a bottom-up practical approach with lots of real examples from around the world to help you really get the circular economy and come up with ideas to make your own business more competitive, resilient and sustainable. Please let us know what you think of the podcast and we'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Or send us a tweet at rethink underscore global. See you next time.